Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. We start a new series today, and uh, to begin things off, I want to ask you if you know what these are. You know what these are? Now, don't say headphones, because they're more than headphones, okay? Um, You would insult some music aficionados if you just called these headphones. These are, and and these are a a cheap version, better stated, a Brett version, of of some really, really expensive headphones. Have you heard them advertise the Bose (laughs) noise-canceling headphones? Have you heard of those? These are the, uh, the, these aren't quite that, but they're still, it's all I've got, people. I mean, I'm doing the best I can. Um, these are noise-canceling headphones. And what's interesting about these is that <clears throat> there is an inline deal here, and there's a little switch on this, and inside this little compartment is a battery. And you say, well, do you need a battery for headphones? You do for these, because what happens is, these will cancel out the noise around you. There's an active thing. I can't explain it. Rollin could tell me how it works, I'm sure. But, but there's this thing that, that happens when you flip this switch and the noise that you hear suddenly goes away, which is a beautiful thing at 30,000 feet in an airplane when you hear that constant drone of the engine and you put these bad boys on you flip the switch and now you're reading a book and wherever the book has taken you, that's where you are. Or if you plug this in to, I can take this and my iPod and plug this into my iPod on the plane and I've got videos on my iPod. I can watch a, a, an Eagles concert if I want to. I can listen to uh, U2 on my iPod if I want to. I've got, um, I downloaded some sounds of nature, the things that you can hear like as you drift off to sleep, babbling brooks and some people say they can't do that because it makes them want to go to the bathroom. Um, but, but uh, rainfall and thunder and things like that um, I can plug into that and whatever I plug into with these on it can take me to a whole different world and so basically what can happen is you know if you can plug this into the right thing you can cancel out the noise around you and be taken to a whole different realm a whole different reality uh, depending on what you've got it plugged into now as a pastor Sometimes it feels to me like people are wearing a set of these in life, okay? And they've got these things on, and they are filtering out the reality around them. I've told my wife and told my secretaries on occasion that it feels like sometimes as a pastor, and and this could be said of my life too. I'm not making fun of anybody. This, This is true of me as it is of anybody. Sometimes it feels like we have taken a sledgehammer to our life for years and years and years. And then we take it to a counselor or to a pastor and we say, can you fix it? Well, after you've banged on it for 20 years, we'll do the best we can, you know. But, but sometimes it's like they've just put on headphones for 20 years. They've filtered out all the good stuff around them. They've lived in their own reality. They've ignored what's really true and they've just kind of fed themselves what they wanted to hear. And you just watch some of the decisions they make sometimes and you think to yourself, you know, that's not smart. That's not smart. It's just, you know, was not a good idea. You know, who are you listening to? What are you plugged into? What has input? In, what, what are your ears hearing and what's your mind getting? Um, you know, we would say, that never worked for anybody. What makes you think that's going to work for you? 
Sometimes it seems that we meet people who are listening to people and voices that allow them to ignore current reality. And it's like they've plugged into something that we can't hear and that we don't know about. We all do this. We, we, we've all done this. At some point in your life, you can look back on it, and you got advice that you wish you hadn't heard. And, and you got information that you wish you hadn't received. And some of the greatest regrets we have are tied to information we should have never gotten. And we wish we could go back in time and dial certain voices out, and instead of that, dial certain voices and certain influences in. We wish we could do that. But we can. And we wonder, how in the world could we have been so deceived? And the reason is we were plugged into some of the wrong things. We had headphones on, but we were listening to the wrong stuff. The truth of the matter is that uh, for the next three weeks, that's where we're going. This idea right here. What and who you listen to will influence what you do. Say that again. What and who you listen to will influence what you do. We think that this advice is just for the current generation, you know, the young generation. We, we think, you know, that's something that we would want to say to kids that are in school. We, we would say, you know, that's, you really need to lock into that. That's what you need to hear. But the truth of the matter is, this is something that we all need to hear. This is a struggle for us at every stage of life. Because what happens is we go off to college. And I don't know how many times I've seen this, but some little boy or little girl goes off to college. They hear some professor that they think is, is a genius. He fills their head with all kinds of craziness for five or six weeks, and then he sends them back to you, right? And suddenly, you've got a freshman in college that thinks they are the smartest thing on the planet. And I don't know how many times I've, I've in this church, watched you know, little boys and girls go off to college, and they believe in Jesus, and they believe in God, and then they spend one semester in a philosophy class somewhere, and they come back and inform mom and dad that they're atheists. They don't believe in God anymore. And then the parents come to me, Brent, my daughter came back from school, and she doesn't believe in Jesus. And it's about that point that I start rubbing my hands together because I'm thinking in my mind, good, this is good. You know, now their faith is going to become their faith and not your faith. It's, it's not necessarily a bad thing for people to go off and question and get new input. That's not bad. But what happens is kids go off, they put on their headphones, they filter out all the good stuff, and they hear only what they want to hear. And then they come back and they think, you know, I got all this figured out. And, and uh, they, they sometimes think they're the smartest people in town. Then you start dating, and you plug into culture. And you do what culture says. And culture says, this is how you date, and these are the things you do on a date, and these are the things you don't do on a date. And if you do this, you're square, and if you do this, you're hip, and if you, you know, this is how it's all done. And we plug into that, and we filter out anything else, because the only thing we want to hear is, what does culture say about how I should do this? And it influences how we date, who we date, where we go, what we do. Then you get married. And you plug into what the bank and the credit card companies say and they say, give us all your financial information, give us all the stuff about your student loans, tell us where you work, how much money you make, because we love you, and we care for you, and you can trust us, and we only want what's best for you, and, and, and you're thinking, well, I gave them all that information, surely they're not going to come back and tell me that I, I can afford things that I actually can't afford, I mean, they wouldn't do that to me. And we're plugged into voices and we're plugged into a culture in that way. And throughout our lives, we're constantly tempted uh, to just plug in and listen to that stuff. And the truth is, regardless of what stage of life you're in or how old you are, uh, we're all plugged in somewhere. We're all listening to someone and something. 
and we have the ability to cancel out not the noise not the noise we have the ability to cancel out common sense and wisdom and the values that we grew up with we're able to cancel out what has worked for everybody else and there's something in all of us that eventually wants us to plug in and hear what we want to hear that's what we're thinking I just want to hear what I want to hear I don't want any conflicting stuff I just want to hear what I want to hear so for the next few weeks we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about this idea of what and who you listen to will influence what you do every husband within the sound of my voice right now can think back to a time where he wished he had listened to his wife now I know you're not going to admit that and I know on the outside you're going but if you're honest on the inside there's a point in your life that you wish you had listened to your wife you looked in the closet she had a hundred pairs of shoes in there and in your mind and in your way of thinking you re you reckon that if she's got a hundred pair of shoes why can't you have a new boat <laughs> you know there's a hundred shoes in there and you're thinking why can't I have a new boat and she tried to explain to you how a hundred pairs of shoes does not equal a new boat and guys I just need to say this and I say this for myself as much as for anybody being bullheaded and having your own way is not a sign of masculinity it is a, an indication of stupidity a lot of times okay and so sometimes it's very difficult for us to listen but if you have been married any amount of time you don't have to go back very far to a time when you would say I should have listened I, I if I had listened to her uh, some things would be different in my life I, she could have helped me to avoid some things and now I regret it I'll just as a side note um, I can I'll give you one time that my wife said something to me that I actually listened and to this day I'm thankful that I listened to, to what she had to say because it was the voice of wisdom and had I done what I wanted to do which would have been a very male thing for me to do I would probably to this day regret it I probably would have brought um, some level of I don't know what word I want to use consternation some kind of problems on the church and here's what was going on I used to write a blog I don't anymore because I found that it, the only things I wanted to write was negative stuff I was like a crotchety old man I'd watch the current events and I'd get mad and I'd write it in my blog and it just was it wasn't healthy for me it wasn't healthy for anybody and I, I hated doing it and I thought why am I writing this thing I don't even like it but you remember when um, Don Imus criticized the, the Rutgers basketball team? and You remember that? What a, what a hullabaloo that was? In my infinite wisdom, I had some things to say about that. And I wanted to weigh in. I heard both sides of the argument, and I saw some points that were terribly lacking that needed my expertise and philosophy. And so I was... I was thinking through in my head how I was going to write it out and what I was going to say and it was one of those topics if you ever send an email that you know um, this could be misconstrued and, and the tone could be misread and you never done that you ever written an email and the way you intended it it wasn't heard that way and it's just a dangerous thing to do that so I'm, I'm spelling out for my wife what my thoughts are and what I'm going to say in this in this email and it was pretty controversial and, and could have gotten me in trouble and she listened patiently and she let me get all my points out and then she said she said Brett write it out but don't post that write it out but don't post that that was brilliant because had I posted what was in my head for sure 
Somebody would have thought things that I think and believe that I don't actually think and believe. And I would have been misunderstood. And I'm pretty sure that my points wouldn't have been taken the way I wanted them to. All three people who were reading my blog. (laughs) But to this day, I'm thankful that I didn't do that. I'm thankful that I listened to my wife and did what she said I should do. and And I did. I wrote it out. I got it out of my system. But I didn't hit post. And, and now you don't know what I was going to say, and that's a good thing. So today we're going to talk about people that we listen to, and in the third week we're going to talk about you know, listening to God, and in the second week we're going to talk about actually listening to wisdom. Next week we'll be in Proverbs. Today I want you to turn to Second Chronicles chapter 18. If you've got your Bible, I'm going to give you a minute to find it because I want you in it today. We're going to be in a, a chapter. We're going to look at a really funny, kind of, a, kind of quirky, cool story um, you'll enjoy this, I think, as, I, as we go through this story. And you're going to see yourself today, and you're going to see people you know, and you're going to think, oh, man, it is amazing that that happened many, many centuries ago, but it's timeless, and it speaks to us today. Second Chronicles chapter 18. It's in the Old Testament, uh, about, I don't know, 10, 12 books in. I haven't counted them, but I'm guessing it's about where it's going to be. Around 930 B.C., the nation of Israel split in two. I taught you this a couple of months ago. The northern kingdom uh, retained the name, I wanted to say remained the name, I knew that wasn't right, retained the name of Israel. The southern kingdom uh, had the name Judah. In the northern kingdom, it was, the king was Ahab, and in the southern kingdom, there was a king there named Jehoshaphat. And, And so, the story we're looking at today kind of centers around these two kings, Ahab and Jehoshaphat. Now, in the opening lines of this story, we are given a glimpse of something that's very important. In the opening lines, we discover that, that Ahab and Jehoshaphat have formed an alliance. And, and so where, whenever you form an alliance with someone, whether you're, whether it's a, you're on a team, um, you, you're in a work environment, with, and you work with a group of people uh, all the time, maybe you're in a sorority or a fraternity or something like that, anytime you're, you're, you're at a club at school, a business partnership, anything like that, anytime you're around a, a, the same group of people, um, They gain leverage in your life. And they have the ability to speak certain things and influence your life. Whenever you're in alliance with someone, there is a sense in which you plug into their worldview a little bit. And when you're in alliance with somebody, their words kind of weigh more. And and we don't think that would be the case, but it it really is. And we we all think we're independent. We all think we're our own person. Um, We do our own thing. And and that nobody tells us what to do. We think that... But it's amazing how much we get influenced by the people that are around us. And any time you form an alliance, that's going to happen. And so whether you form a formal or an informal alliance with somebody, they automatically gain influence into your life. And that's kind of where our story begins today. Second Chronicles 18, verse 1. Now Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor. And he called himself, he, he, I'm sorry, he allied himself with Ahab by marriage, which was... he. he there's a whole other sermon right there. Some years later, he went down to see Ahab in Samaria. Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom. Ahab slaughtered many sheep and cattle for him and the people with him. That is, Ahab slaughtered them because Jehoshaphat had come. And, and, urged, and the people urged him to attack. So here goes the story. They're, they're going to attack this city. They want him to attack the city called Ramoth-Gilead. Now, Ramoth-Gilead is a border town of... Um, on the border of the northern kingdom in Israel, and the country is Aram. 
And, and what you need to know about Ramoth Gilead is it was a little town. There were some crossroads there. It was kind of a merchant city, but it was a, a very wealthy city. There was probably some knowledge there. It was just a kind of a, a neat place to be. Um, but it was also a very fortified city. had a lot of money. It would be the kind of jewel that if you were a king, you would see that city and think, I want that city in my border. Let's go take that city. Let's go, let's go down there and take that and draw a border around it. Let's make that ours. And so that's kind of what they're thinking. So Ahab's thinking, you know what? I, I, I want, I'm, I'm going to draw a border around that and make that mine. So he decides to invite Jehoshaphat to go with him into battle. Verse 3, Ahab, king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? In other words, why don't you take your army, put it together with my army, we'll go down there and take that thing, just wrap it up, and it'll be, you know, be, be a done deal. Jehoshaphat replied, I am as you are, and my people as your people, we will join you in the war. In other words, let's saddle up, let's go take care of business. And that sounds kind of weird to us, but that's the culture that they were in, that's just kind of how they did things. It's kind of strange to us, but... So before they saddle up, Jehoshaphat asks a, a very irritating question. I'll explain that in a minute. Verse 4, Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First, seek the counsel of the Lord. Now that's the equivalent of Jehoshaphat looking at Ahab and saying, Ahab, have you prayed about this? It, it would not have been uncommon for Jehoshaphat to say, you know, before we go charging in to conquer this town, I think we should seek the Lord uh, about this. I think we need to get his counsel. Now I say that's irritating because how many times in your life have you had this brilliant idea? I mean brilliant idea. And you knew it needed to happen. And you didn't need anybody to tell you different. You didn't need any counsel. You just knew unilaterally this is a great idea and I've got to press forward and make this thing happen. And, and you know, you're laying it out for everybody and you're telling them how good it's going to be and you're selling your idea and, and that wise person in your life that you really don't like because they are wise and they're always the killjoy to all your great hopes and dreams. You know that person? And that person hears you laying out your brilliant idea and they don't think it's all that brilliant and they ask you, Brett, have you prayed about this? Now we don't like to admit it and we would never say this out loud, but inside we think, why would I pray about it and ruin a perfectly good idea? Ahab's ready to go to war. And Jehoshaphat says, hey, I'm with you, but I think we should inquire of the Lord about this particular thing. Verse 5. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, 400 men. He calls these prophets in. There's 400 of them. And all these prophets, mind you, are on the king's payroll. Okay? They're all taking a check from the king. It's a very important point. And he's going to ask them, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I not? And Jehoshaphat's watching this. He says, okay, Jehoshaphat, I'll get my people in here. And I'm going to ask them, so come on in here, guys. Let me ask you about this war. The second part of verse 5. Go, they answered, for God will give it into the king's hand. And Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat and he says, well, we've heard from the Lord. Saddle up. Put on your armor. Shine up. Let's go. Let's go get that city. You can kind of read between the lines here. You do not have to be a Bible scholar to see what's going on. And Jehoshaphat's thinking, wait now, that was kind of quick. It's almost like the question got answered before it got asked. 
You know, it, it's, it's, it, it just almost seems to be working too good. It's, it's, that was too slick. Verse 6, but Jehoshaphat asked, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? In other words, that came pretty quick. Is there anybody here who clearly is hearing from God? Because obviously these 400 guys are not hearing from the voice of God. I mean, whatever they're tuned into, it's not the right thing. Isn't there anyone here who might have a, a real connection to God who could give us some insight as to what we might do? Isn't there someone not on the payroll who might be more objective. Verse 7, the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat. <laughs> you got to love this. If you have a pen, you want to get ready because there's a line in here you want to underline. It's very cool. There is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. That's just cool to me that that's even in the Bible. I mean, that, you know, I hate him. And look, listen to his reason. Because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. Well, there's this one guy, but I don't like him too much. That's why I didn't invite him in here. I, I went back this week, and I went on YouTube just for fun for me, and I watched the old Life Serial commercial with Mikey. You remember that? Give it to Mike. What is this? It's supposed to be good for you. I'm not going to try it. Let's get Mikey to eat it. He won't eat it. He hates everything. Just, I'm just curious. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about right now. If you, watch this. Watch this. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, raise your hand. What's the cutoff, people? What is it? How old? What are we saying? About, about 20? About 20? Go to YouTube, kids, and look up Mikey and Life Serial. You'll, you'll see a funny uh, commercial. That's kind of what's going on. Micaiah was like the first Mikey. He, he's not going to tell me anything good. He prophesies against everything that I come up against. He never, he's never on my side. You, I mean, it almost sounds like he's you know, got his violin out. You know, I never listen to you. It's kind of like, did you ask your dad? <laughs> no, I didn't ask my dad. I already know what dad's going to say. You know, I, I would go to mom and I'd say, Mom, I got this idea. I want, I want to do this. Well, have you, have you talked to your dad about it? No. <laughs> Why would I do something silly like that? I mean, I, I want to be in, in stupidity and do this thing. I don't want him to know about it. Did you pray about it? No, I didn't pray about it. I'm not sure I've ever actually heard from God, but I'm thinking that if, if I'm God and I know me and God knows everything and God knows everything. God's going to say no to this. I'm trying to plug into people who are going to go along with my plan. I don't want to filter out that. I want to filter out reality. You know, I, I don't want noise reduction. I want common sense reduction. I don't want somebody to make sense to me. I'll just throw it out there. This is how stupid I am, okay? I'm a, I'm a family man, got three kids. Now it's getting a little easier, and I'm one of these days I hope to one day have a little fun with a car but you know I had three little kids and I used to dream about having a like a two-seat convertible sports car and my wife would say Brett that's not practical I didn't you know for the longest time I hated the word practical it's just like a word we just don't like right it's practical we want to filter practical out practical doesn't make you know just ruins my great idea I want to hear somebody say Oh, you've got a wife and three kids? I think a two-seat sports car convertible would be perfect for you. That's what we want to hear. Now, as we read this story, there's a sense in which we can identify with Ahab because all of a sudden, all of us in the room in the past, or maybe, or maybe even right now, there's something going on in your world, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? 
I want to do the right thing. I want to do the fiscally responsible thing. But there are some people that if I were to recommend to you to talk to them before you do this thing, whatever it is you're thinking about doing, you would say, oh, I kind of already know what they're going to say. I don't want to talk to them. And as silly as Ahab looks at this point in the story, we look no less silly to God or to the people around us who know us and know what the current reality is for us. Verse 7, the second part. The king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. He's not crazy about the idea of having Imlah, uh, the son of Imlah come in. You know, he's going to bring Micaiah in. This guy's kind of a... Be- walks to his own drum kind of thing and while they send for him an interesting thing happens the prophets the 400 prophets they're off to the side a pep rally breaks out okay and they're cheering and dancing around and they're all fired up and they're putting horns on their head and they're saying things like you will gore the king of of uh, of aram you know with with one of these horns and they're bouncing up and down and jumping and they're doing cheers and all that kind of stuff Meanwhile, we go to verse 12. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look, (laughs) has there ever been this person in your world? Look, the other prophets, without exception, you want to circle that, okay? Because now we're turning the pressure up on the pressure cooker because we're going to really make sure you understand this thing needs to be leaning a certain direction. Without exception, the other prophets are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. In other words, before you go in there, just need you to know, there's a pep rally happening in there. You don't want to be the guy that goes in and goes against the pep rally. So if you really know what's good for you, you're not going to go in there and mess it up. You're going to go in there and toe the party line, and and you're going to say the right words. In other words, tell the king what the king wants to hear. Now, from where we're sitting, we're looking at this ancient story, and we're thinking, how foolish. How foolish. How ridiculous. I mean, we're watching this and we're thinking, Ahab, you need to know the truth. You need somebody that will speak truth into your world and you need to be listening to them. Why would you want somebody to change what they really believe if they think they're hearing from the Lord? Why would you want somebody to not tell you what that is? But for some of us, maybe you're right in the middle of that this morning. Maybe right now you're right in the middle of something like this and you're thinking, he's been reading my email. I haven't, but maybe God has. Maybe you're seeing somebody and you've kind of laid this out for all the people in your world and the people in your world say, oh, he's just wonderful or she's wonderful and you, you definitely should be with them and, and spend time with them. And, but you've got one person that's going, bad idea, bad idea. You, don't, you need to run from that person. You don't want to hear that person's voice. You, you've got the headphones on and you've got them canceled out. Or you're in business and you're just about to ink the deal. Or you're about to form a partnership or make a purchase and you're right on the edge and it's just about to happen and you've told all the right people and everybody's saying yeah I think you should do that but there's one person that you haven't talked to because you're you're afraid to plug into them you're afraid what they're going to say you're afraid they're going to come back with common sense and the voice of reason and they're going to say bad idea shouldn't be doing that might want to rethink that and it might even be the voice of God Verse 13, but Micaiah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what my God says. When he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I not? (laughs) And Micaiah says, 
attack and be victorious for they will be given into your hand so he's looking at all the cheerleaders over there bouncing up and down with horns on their head talking about how they're going to go gore the people of Ramoth Gilead and and he's he you know kind of bites down on his cheek and sticks his tongue in there real good and says yeah I think you should go attack (laughs) and the king pauses for a minute because he realizes wait a minute I think he's making fun of me in the immortal words of Buzz Lightyear you're mocking me aren't you I I love that line in that movie that's great you're mocking me aren't you yeah we're, we're mocking you verse 15 the king said to him how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord In other words, don't mock me. I didn't really want to bring you in here. I didn't really want to hear what you had to say. But now that you're in here, would you at least tell me what you think? Verse 16, then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. Now to us, that sounds pastoral and nice. But when Ahab heard that, what he heard was, you're going to go out there and your your soldiers are going to be scattered and they're not going to have a shepherd, which is you, because you're going to be gone. Your army's going to be scattered, and they're going to be without a king. What he heard was a prediction of his own death. And the sheep are like the soldiers scattered all over the hill, and they're looking for their king, and they can't find him because he's been killed. And he he hears about how their soldiers are going to be scattered all over the place, but he also hears, I'm not coming back. If we go on this war, I'm not coming back. Then we read this, And the Lord said, These people have no master. That's, in other words, they have no king. Let each one go home in peace. Micaiah says, you can go to war if you want to. But Ahab, get all your affairs together because if you go to war, you will not come back. If you go. Verse 17. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me, only bad? I mean, you know, I told you. 400 guys over here telling me I should go and I got one guy over here telling me I shouldn't he never prophesies for me never prophesies for me I don't like that guy that's why I don't bring him in the room because I don't like listening to what he has to say skip to verse 25 the king of Israel then ordered take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon the ruler of the city and to Joash the king's son and say this is what the king says put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely in other words I don't want word getting out to anybody what he said so let's put him away let's put him in jail and and so he can't talk to anybody I don't want any of the other armies I don't want any of the other people to hear any of this I don't want it to go outside this room what that guy just said because we're not listening to that And put him in prison and don't let him out until I come back safely. Verse 27, Micaiah declared, If you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added, Mark my words, all you people. And in my head, I can just see them dragging Micaiah out of the room and him pointing over their shoulder, Mark my words! Mark my words! You won't come back if you go to war. Get him out of here. And we're looking at this story. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your walk of life is. It doesn't matter what your faith level is. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter how much Bible you know. It doesn't matter if you even believe in God. It's like watching a movie 
We can see what's coming. You ever watch a movie and you see them making decisions and you're like, and when they make the decisions, like, oh, that is a bad decision. And they make another one, it's like, oh, this is going to end bad. And, and you're telling your spouse what's going to happen. Oh, you, this is going to happen. And you can see it. I mean, it's all laid out for you. You can see it. We know that the voice of the crowd is not the voice to listen to. We already know that the people who have something to gain are the ones that are doing all the talking, but telling the king what he wants to hear, those aren't the people that you want to listen to. We already know that the voice of reason has been gagged and carried out and put in prison. We already know that the king has made up his mind and the king is going to do what the king is going to do. The king has filtered out reality. The king has filtered out wisdom. And he has filtered out the voice of God. And without telling you how the story ends, you can pretty much predict how this story is going to end. Now, you may not know how this story ends, but you've probably got a pretty good idea what's going to happen in this story. It's just obvious. I don't think our stories are any less obvious, to be honest with you. I, I think it's possible that I could drop down into your world and see a couple of things and maybe look at a couple of decisions you were thinking about making, and, and I might say, ooh, I don't, that might not be the best idea. That might not be the best thing for you. And you could do that in my world. You could probably plop down in my world right now and look at some of the things that I would like to buy or things that I'd like to do, and you'd say, I don't know if th that's probably not the best thing for you to do, Brett. And it would be pretty clear if we could do that for one another. If we could just look at each other's worlds and go, probably not the best thing. Let's finish the story. Verse 28. So the king of Israel, and, Je and that would be Ahab, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. So they, they load up, they head to the border, and then something really, really interesting happens. This is when you're thinking, Jehoshaphat, brother, I'm pretty sure you have just hitched your wagon to the wrong horse. This is when Jehoshaphat thinks he might have a problem on his hands. Verse 29, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter the battle in disguise. What? <laughs> what? He says, yeah, Jehoshaphat, here's what we're going to do. Thanks for coming with me. It's great that you're here. I appreciate that. But I'm thinking that when we go to war, I'm going to dress down like a common soldier, and I'm just going to hang out among the common soldiers. And you should dress like a king. And Jehoshaphat's thinking, wait a minute. 400 guys told you to go into battle. And you were all confident that this was a battle that we needed to fight. What about all this courage and bravado? And what about, you know, what about this time when you were so confident and you knew everything that needed to happen and you knew we needed to do this what happened to that guy and now you tell me that you're not even willing to go in and be dressed like a king you're not even willing to lead your own guys what what's up with that and here's why this is so important because you know what was going on inside of ahab because sometimes it's the same thing that goes on inside of you and inside of me and here's what happens we convince everybody that we know what we're doing. And we convince everybody that we've got this whole thing thought through and figured out, and we've, you know, we've, we've planned it, and, and even though, Ahab, you're very convincing, and even though you've got me on board with this idea, you, you've, you've laid it all out. Even though he'd rallied all the people, everybody's fired up, we're going to go down to Ramoth Gilead and, and do some damage. Even though he had convinced Jehoshaphat to go with him, even though he had silenced the prophet, in his heart, the words of Micaiah rang true. 
And he was not absolutely confident on the inside, although he appeared to be confident on the outside. And that's what we do, isn't it? We put up this front. We make everybody think we're totally confident. We get our wives convinced, honey, I know what I'm doing. Don't question. Just go with me on this. I know what I'm doing. But inside we're going, In his mind, he's seeing sheep scattered without a shepherd, and the sheep are the army, and he's the shepherd, and the sheep are wandering all over the hills, and they can't find their shepherd because he's dead. Isn't it true you can argue with your wife or your husband, and you can argue them into submission? You can argue them into a place where they finally capitulate and say, okay, I, whatever. That's what you want to do. Kids, isn't it true? Sometimes you can argue with your parents and you can wear them down. Because we're, we're old and we're tired. And you know it. And, and you know that if you bang on the door enough times, it's eventually going to fall in. And you can do that. And you can have everybody convinced, but in your heart and in your mind, there is doubt. And the doubt is linked to that one person or those couple of people who had nothing to gain by telling you the truth. And they told you what you needed to hear, not what you wanted to hear. And they told you the truth. Verse 29, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter the battle in disguise, but you wear your royal robes. In fact, wear your crown. Put some flags up next to your camel, because I want them to know you're a king. Shine your armor real good. I want the king of Aram to know exactly where you are. So the king of Israel disguised himself, this is Ahab, disguised himself and went into battle. And right here you want to say, Jehoshaphat, what are you thinking, buddy? Have you lost your mind? I mean, don't you see how this is going to go? This is going to go bad for you. Do you know why Jehoshaphat went into battle? Because whoever you ally yourself with, it creates momentum that is so strong and so powerful that even when everything around you says it's something you shouldn't do, you do it anyway. We get caught up in the emotion of the moment. They call it the herd mentality. And we do stupid stuff. So here's Jehoshaphat on the edge of a terrible decision. And all of us are on the outside looking in, and we're going, what are you thinking? But it's too late. Verse 30, now the king of Aram had ordered his chariot commanders, do not fight with anyone, small or great, except the king of Israel. So the king of Aram has already told them, Ahab is the one we want. Go kill Ahab. Verse 31, when the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they thought, this is the king of Israel. So they turned to attack him. But Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord, help, or cried out, and the Lord helped him. God drew them away from him. Verse 32, for when the chariot commanders saw that he was not the king of Israel, they stopped pursuing him. So God bails him out. He almost lost his life because of his alliance with Ahab. Verse 33, you got to love this. Circle this line. But someone drew his bow at random. At random. That's a warning to us. Part of the problem is we get bad advice and then we say things like this. Oh, honey. 
I know it's dangerous, but I'll be careful. I know this probably isn't a good idea, but I'm going to be careful. And we just expect them to look back and say, well, I know you could probably lose your life, and, but if you're going to be careful, okay. As, as long as you're cautious, you know, I guess. Ahab says, I realize I'm not taking good advice, but, but I'm not going to dress like a king. They won't even know where I am. And the Bible tells us that some archer, probably two or 300 yards away, lifts his bow, lets it fly, and shoots it into a mass of troops. And this is what the Bible says. And hit the king of Israel between the breastplate and the scale armor. The king told the chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. All day long the battle raged and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot facing the Arameans until evening. Then at sunset, he died. Didn't have to. It didn't have to be like that. Ahab lost his life because he wouldn't listen to the right voice. Some have lost their marriage. Some have lost good friends. Some have lost a ton of money. Some have lost a career. All because they filtered out the voice of reason and plugged into the wrong voice. We all know somebody who made a bad decision. Maybe it was us. Because what and who we listen to will influence what you do. See, You've got options with these. You can filter out reality and hear only what you want to hear. Or you can take these off and listen to the voice of God and listen to the people that God's put in your life and know it's not always going to be what you want to hear. And know it's not always going to make you warm and fuzzy. But it just might save your marriage, it just might save your business, or it just might save your life. The things we want to hear is usually what we, the things we don't want to hear are usually the things we need to hear the most. I want to end with just four questions for you. Who are you listening to? Who has your ear? Who do you need to quit listening to that you are listening to? In other words, let me ask that a different way. Who has your ear that your spouse would say, you know what, I hate it when you listen to them. Every time you listen to them, you make a bad decision. Stop listening to them. What do you not want to hear? What is it in your world right now that you do not want to hear? And what advice are you resisting because, because you just don't like the person who's given the advice? Like, like Ahab with Micaiah. He didn't like Micaiah. He, he never likes me. He never says anything good about me. I don't want to listen to what he has to say. Who is that in your world? You won't listen to them, even though they may be telling you the truth, because you simply just don't like them. The voice of God might be saying to you today, listen. Listen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for being active in our life, for speaking to us through your word, through preachers, through the Holy Spirit, through our friends, through godly people who walk with you. There's a whole host of ways, Father, that you are speaking to us and trying to get us to see the truth. 
And Father, it's true that probably all of us at one time or another, and maybe even now, are wearing a set of noise-canceling headphones. And we're just filtering out all the good stuff because we want to hear what we want to hear. Father, help us in that because that's just going to end badly for us. So it's my prayer this morning, Lord, that we would be humble enough to listen for your voice, that we would be humble enough to say that we don't know it all. And that when you speak, you would give us the courage that it takes sometimes to do what you tell us to do. We want to hear you. You are the source of wisdom. And we need it. It's in Jesus' name we pray.